Customer advocacy platform Mention Me recently hosted Advocacy Engineered, the world's leading event on the power of customer advocacy. More than 200 senior marketers from brands including Puma, Deliveroo, Charlotte Tilbury, Marks & Spencer, John Lewis, Farfetch, and other big names joined us in London to hear from industry experts on how to drive sustainable business growth in the tough times ahead. This podcast series presents the live recordings of each of our speakers on the day. The one you're about to listen to features a conversation between creator of the MPS Fred Reichelt and Andy Coburn, CEO and co-founder at Mention Me. Thank you very much, Fred. That was absolutely fascinating. And I, um, I'll kick us off with a couple of questions and then we will open it up to the floor. I thoroughly enjoyed your book. The, the book starts with you being very open about your diagnosis with cancer five years ago, which um, delighted to see you looking so well and healthy here today. But what spurred you on to, to write a book and then to go and, and be evangelical about the, the, the stuff that you're talking about today? How, how have you found that energy after such a traumatic event? Yeah, it's, that is a fair question. My wife asked me that regularly because I was <laughs> sort of supposed to retire after, uh, after each of the last few books. I, it's this thing that the people see there's a glimmer of hope in that people want to measure net promoter and how many lives they're enriching. But it was so far off track and so much uh, confusion. And, and also the, this mindset change. I finally understood why it was that people just couldn't see the truth in front of them. And it's because they're blinded by the way they've been trained in business and the way they measure their progress every month. And, you know, budgets and capital allocation processes are and, and, and business is getting a horrible name. Um, capitalism is under pressure, and I think for good reasons, because if people view business as a way to extract maximum value from customers and workers, it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, that's what got Marxism going. But it's not what's behind great businesses. So if nothing else, I hope this new way of thinking and new way of measuring progress will illuminate truly great businesses that should be the role models for our, all of us going forward. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And I, um, and this is also, I think, the first time you've traveled in three or four years coming over here today. So thank you for coming to visit us all. But um, what, what got you interested? Why did you come over to, to talk at Advocacy Engineer today? Yeah, another good question. Um, I really never thought I'd go overseas again, weakened immune system, all the stuff I've been through. Um, I still have one more year of scans, so it's not like I'm totally out of the woods, but it's, I believe, until people understand this Andy Taylor idea, that it's customers coming back for more and bring their friends is at the core. That's what we really have to measure as our objective function to know that customers have felt the love. And, and I know net, net revenue retention, the world doesn't need me there. That, that is a statistic that's pretty well defined. But the notion of how many of what, what percentage of our new business is coming primarily as the result of loving our existing customers and them wanting to share the love. And, and you're, you gave me a, you sent me an email and, and, and former, we didn't know each other at Bain, but when I see guys who worked at Bain, it usually, you know, I, you get a sense what their values probably are, what, what their uh, life mission is. And so I thought, geez, Here's a guy at, who, who I believe has a chance at changing the world and who sees the importance of measuring and managing this, this flow of referrals, which is probably the most 
valuable, under, misunderstood, you know, it's an invisible force out there that is driving who wins and who loses. And most people have no clue how they would measure it, control it, do better at it. And I, so I, yours was the most promising explanation of what your firm was trying to accomplish. And, and I think this is the biggest area or the, the, the biggest challenge that has to be solved for the world to really fully appreciate and run on back for more and bring your friends. Yeah, you're, quit, you're preaching to the converters. But I, uh, one of the things um, that I find really interesting in your work is MPS is a great way of understanding a score, but also how many of your customers are promoters? How many yeah. are scoring nines or tens? I've probably got a couple of questions on that. One is, is a nine or 10 still a nine or 10? Like after 20 years, are we seeing grade inflation and it's uh, and people are gaming the system um, or just know what a nine or 10 means for, as they're fitting in the surveys? Yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, all rating systems and review systems, I think, are grade inflated. I, uh, the, so what do you do about it? I don't think I'll change nine and 10. Once you have a system that once people know the math, don't fudge with it. But I do think by taking the pressure off nines and tens as key performance indicators and drivers of bonuses and shifting it over to earn growth results, we'll be able to stop and maybe take some of the great inflation out. And the workaround in the, in the interim, for those of you that really care about who are my true promoters, um, why not look at the nines and tens who then also take the trouble to write a very substantial verbatim explanation of why. And because that extra, that's an act of love. I mean, why should they take their precious time and give you something? That's probably a signal that you've got a true promoter. Yeah. And, and I know you want more referrals, but first you have to create more true promoters. And, and don't try to separate those two things because trying to get a, a referral out of a passive or a detractor is, you know, you got to manipulate and game and do all the horrible things that give business a bad name. Yeah, that's a really nice way of putting it. I quite often think of what we're doing is understanding, when you understand how many promoters are, as they've scored it from an NPS perspective, yeah. then you'll get a referral number and then there's a gap. Yeah. And, um, and our job is to try and work with everyone in this room to try and close that gap to get as many of those promoters to actually become referrers. Have you seen businesses that have done that really well? Well, not as well as you would think. First Republic Bank, who I mentioned yeah. is the, the, the really where earned growth came from, is very intelligent about keeping track of real referrals because when you sign up for a new account at, uh, at the bank, the loan off the officer who signs you up is always asked, how did you hear about us? What's, how, why did you decide to, to, get, to do business with us? And when it's a recommendation referral, they not only note that on the customer file, but they try to find out who it was that gave the referral so that they can thank the person, but also get to the root cause of what did we do for that person who was the referrer that made them so confident and so enthusiastic about us that they would take the risk to refer a friend. So I'd, I'd hold them up there as a business-to-business business example. I think on, uh, boy, in B2C, it is hard to, this is, your company and our discussions over the last month or two make it clear that you've pushed further than any of the people I know at understanding what's really going on here, what generates referrals, how are they given, 
Um, it's so difficult. The instant you try to measure it, you're changing the real behaviors of people. So how do I do it in a subtle, frictionless way where I'm not creating gaming or uh, discomfort in any way? But I think we have so much to learn where this is not one where I can, uh, here are the seven best practices and you can just copy them. I'm afraid we have to invent from scratch, just like we probably did 20 years ago with Net Promoter. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the areas that we talked a bit about as um, over the last couple of months is how to calculate the real number of referrers. And that might sound a bit weird when that is our business. Like when I think about referrals, there are some that you can track and that we can see and mention me, but there are some that are just happening that you will never officially know are referrals because they happen outside the school gates and someone said something very positive and then that person came in cold to the website. Yeah. Like, have you thought about how to try and capture that data in the own growth metric? Well, I've thought about it. You know, it, it, I, the one thing I do know is it varies enormously across brands. It, in, in this NPS Prism database that I mentioned where, where Bain is trying to get true NPS, not just for the brand level, but for every episode in the customer journey, they also distinguish between new customers and uh, existing customers. So they'll, they ask, what, what, uh, what's the primary reason you joined that new company? And uh, in banking, for instance, the worst players get about 25% of their new business through referrals, and the best players are up in the you know, 60s, 70s. So it's a huge variation. I, I don't know how to get the vast majority of that yet. I think what you're doing, it makes enormous sense. And it, first step, second step. But I think for all of you, just think about the important decisions you make on your own. How important are referrals and recommendation, reputation? For me, almost all the important decisions I make are referral and reputation driven. So I, I think it's a much higher number than we know how to measure yet. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's open it up to the floor. Are there any questions from the audience? Question in the front row. We got Olivia with a microphone running all the way down. Oh, it's Holly with a microphone, I think. Uh, hi, thank you so much for speaking today. Um, my name's Thomason. I, I work on the marketing team at Three Spirit Drinks. We have customers in both the US and the UK. And I'm wondering if you found there's any cultural differences between referrals between US customers and UK customers. Do US people recommend more, for example? Yeah. Yes, yeah, an excellent question. Just so everyone heard it, are there cultural differences in referral volumes and, and appropriateness? I think, yes, there are. Japan is the one market that I've seen where um, when you do a zero through 10 net promoter score, you get very few nines and tens and zeros and ones. They're, it's just uh, very conservative. And yet the great companies there are winning on referrals. So I think when you, it gets back to this, um, is he sharp at the four seasons? Why does this, why does this philosophy work so well in every culture around the world? Because the golden rule of love thy neighbor seems to be universal. And if you think of it as, boy, if I've had this experience and that would make a friend or family member's life better, I'm going to find a way to communicate to that to them. I think there are cultural differences how it's communicated, um, how enthusiastically, and you know, Americans probably overstate the case and Japanese understate the case. But if you care about someone, 
you will find a way to get the truth in their hands. Thank you. Any other questions? We've got time for one more. In the middle on the right-hand side there. Hi, Fred. Uh, my name is Jasper. I work for a sports tech app that teaches people to ski. And we ask MPS at three points. So we ask it at the end of the first day, end of the fourth day, and then we ask a yearly survey over email. And we have a different MPS number for each of those. Uh, we're kind of struggling internally to work out, are we oversampling and over-asking? And also, which of those three we should really trust internally and use the most? I think companies are asking for about 100 times too many survey responses. The, the, the survey requests are out of control. Customers have, customers have been trained that companies will waste their time. And um, so it's time for a little bit for a fresh start. I, if I were in a business today and trying to figure out what's the sampling strategy for feedback and net promoter, I would sit down with my frontline teams and with some customers and ask them, what feels appropriate? Should we be using email? Should we use SMS text? Um, when you do fill out a survey, how many months before you'd be willing to do another? Because today the whole system is operating on one and 2% response rates, which are ridiculous. And it makes it very difficult to interpret the sample and what, the, what it implies for the population because the bias of who responds to the survey is enormous. I, I talk about Chewy in the book, I think. Um, Chewy is a really outstanding online company in the U.S. that does pet food better than Amazon by 20 points in that category, 20 NPS points. And yet now companies, at least in the U.S., I don't know if that's happening here, they're reporting their NPS in their IPO documents and, and to investors. And these numbers are coming from who knows where. It's not an auditable process. They're, they're probably just sending a survey every nth, um, transaction of, of purchase and, and Chewy was coming out with, well, we have an 80 NPS when, when Bain would say, no, it's more like a 55 or 60, still the best in the industry. Why is it so high? Well, it's because people haven't thought through, you know, when I just send out a sample after every uh, transaction, um, who buys most frequently from us? Promoters. And, and who's most likely to bother taking the time to respond to a survey? Promoters. So you get this, there are more, and, and it, they, you get this wild oversampling of promoters that make you think you're doing way better than you are. So I'm, there's not a simple answer, but I think it might be time for a reset. Let's reconsider which customers, how frequently, and through what channel, and where referral would play. Because what I believe you will want to do, if you heard my message, is you're going to want to know who all your promoters are. And then you're going to want to know, how can I make it easier and uh, more effective for them to promote when appropriate and, and give them the tools and the techniques to do that and, and, uh, and remind them at the right times. And if you just build off of the existing survey baloney that exists now that, that made, you know, technology platforms made it easy to send out a billion survey requests at the push of a button. And that has really hurt us. Um, so I don't have an easy answer there. <laughs> that was a good answer. Thank I you. I think we're out of time, are we, Mark? In which case, can we please join me in thanking Fred Reichel. Thanks for listening to this Advocacy Engineered presentation. To find out more about Mention Me and how our advocacy-first approach could drive growth for your business, visit mention-me.com.